You're listening to Alternative Thinking, Both Sides of the Coin, a production of the Canadian Association of Alternative Strategies and Assets, where we explore today's markets and alternative investments from two distinct perspectives. Welcome, it's March 27th, and this is James Barone with CASA. Uh, today we're going to be talking about fixed income and advising clients with Ted Karen with Scotia Wealth and Andrew Torres with Lawrence Park Asset Management. James Brown is the president and co-founder of CASA. All opinions expressed during the show by James and our show guests remain their own and should be used for informational and educational purposes only. Find out more about CASA at casa.ca. Welcome, this is James Perron from CASA, and this is another of our podcasts talking about alternative investments in what seem to be alternative times. We have uh, two on the line today. It's Andrew Torres from Lawrence Park Asset Management and Ted Karen with Scotia Wealth. And uh, we're going to start with introductions, and I'll get into my questions. Uh, let's start with Ted. Please tell us about what you've been doing the last uh, 20 or 30 years, and also in the last year or so. Yeah, thank you very much. Um... I, I, I'm actually working with Scotia Wealth. I work on a team with uh, five other advisors. We're uh, one of the largest uh, teams within Scotia and look after about a billion three under management. Uh, I've been with the team for, for eight years now, but my prior background includes investment banking and project finance, uh, mergers and acquisitions for Canada Trust and Sprint Canada. I also briefly worked in research and venture capital and an investment council firm. Uh, but just most recently, I was at a multifamily office for five years looking after uh, clients and their investment selections. As James mentioned, I was a, a founder of uh, about nine years ago. Uh, we specialize in alternative fixed income solutions, uh, and we have uh, some flagship products around the uh, investment-grade credit markets and also the uh, preferred market. Uh, my background is uh, is all in fixed income. I was a a prop trader with TD for about 15 years, uh, worked in their uh, London, New York, and uh, Toronto offices, uh, and, and then spent some time also with a UK-based hedge fund uh, called Aladdin Capital, uh, managing uh, investment-grade and high-yield uh, credit solutions. Uh, and um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm very excited to talk to you at this uh, interesting time for, uh, for fixed income, an interesting time for the markets. Great, thanks. Let's get into that. What have you seen in the markets, uh, in your your credit markets? Um, massive dislocations, liquidity crises, uh, margin calls, or is it something that's maybe a bit more placid than we we might have read about in the news? Uh, no, the the rumors are true. <laughs> it's been a <laughs> it's been a uh, a um, I guess a, a period of uh, heightened volatility, uh, you know, which leads to um, uh, some of those second-order impacts that you that you uh, describe, um, uh, you know, I I categorize this uh, quite differently. This this is the type of sell-off we we don't see that often. I mean, I would call it a, mm-hmm. a once-in-a-generation uh, type sell-off, but it's it's actually uh, you know this is the you know, second one in the last uh, ten or so years or ten or twelve years. So um, perhaps it's not as rare as it once was. But uh, the you know the the main difference we've we've seen here is. Uh, is you've had this. I mean, from a macro point of view, you've had uh, an eco- a global economy that was, you know, trucking along at uh, you know moderate levels, uh, and then all of a sudden, in the spirit space of uh, about ten days, just came to a shuddering halt. 
you know, in, in many parts of the developed world. So it, it's quite remarkable how uh, that's created uh, massive dislocation in a number of different uh, different sectors. I mean, we all know what's going on with oil prices right now. Um, but what's happened is particularly in fixed income is not just the uh, you know, the, the spread widening that we've seen or the, uh, the drive towards zero interest rates uh, in, in government securities around the world. Um, but it's also uh, things like uh, credit curve inversion, uh, which, is, which is pretty rare. I mean, you really do have to go back to 2008 to see that uh, type of effect on a widespread basis. Credit curve inversion is something that really only happens uh, on distressed uh, credits in normal periods. Uh, so obviously, as a, as a company is uh, looking like it might default, then uh, the yield becomes less important. It becomes all about the dollar price. So short dated securities by virtue end up with a, a very high yield to maturity compared to the long dated securities. Um, but right now we're seeing that effect uh, broadly across many parts of the investment grade and high yield world um, just because of a liquidity shock uh, that we've seen, which is, has forced uh, you know, uh, cash sellers of, of uh, many different types of fi fixed income and, and uh, uh, short dated securities are getting hurt. Uh, you know, almost as badly as elongated ones on a price basis, which drives their yields uh, materially higher and inverts the credit curve. So, yeah, it's a bit of an unusual time right now. Oh, yeah, because I was trying to figure that out. If you think a company is going to go bankrupt, you're probably also worried about the long term, but it's more like the liquidity crunch because people are selling their short-dated stuff because it's very liquid or more liquid. Uh, and it's just the, the, the effect on the prices is just overwhelms the duration. You get a higher yield. Short term, eh? That's exactly right. I mean, think of it oh. as you know, in, in in default, all you know, in default, the maturity date of the bond doesn't matter. They all become due and payable, <laughs> yeah. and they, you know, you get your uh, your share of whatever the recovery rate value is. So mm -hmm. yes, the you know, bonds tend to all converge at the same price, and if the uh, if the bond has a you know a, a year to maturity uh, and is trading at you know seventy cents on the dollar or sixty cents on the dollar, then you know that's uh, that's an implied 30, 40% mm -hmm. yield, whereas a, a 10 year bond uh, trading at the same price might only be a you know, 10 or 15% yield. So yeah, it can right, make quite right. a difference. Uh, that's one more thing I wanted to drill down with you here is, is you've been in these markets and many markets for years. And you said it's once in a generation, every 10 years or so. But for some managers, this is their generation. They came in in like maybe 2010. So for 10 years, have been riding things up and, and, thought that there was a big crisis like in various years, I imagine, but that, that really wasn't. Um, have you seen that? What do you think of that? Have you seen that effect in, in other markets earlier where there are newer traders? Or is this, is this more because it's, it's a lot of institutional investors now? It, are there older hands at the, at the helm? You know, that's a great question. Uh, Ted, I don't know if you wanted to, to uh, speak to that one. But um, from my point of view, it's... Uh, it's, you know, I think that is true in every market, in every cycle, right? There's always going to be uh, veterans uh, and there's always going to be, you know, uh, people who are relatively new to the market, uh, you know, and, and you're always, uh, you're always uh, amused, I guess, to hear people talk about unprecedented volatility um, during perhaps some of the more minor uh, risk-off environments that we've had in the last few years and uh, um, you know, this this is closer to the big one, right? This is this is a bit more serious yeah. uh, that we're seeing this time. Uh, but it, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's it's a useful, um, it's always a useful reminder of what can happen and how quickly it can happen. Uh, it's a useful test of resolve. Uh, 
It's, uh, um, you know, the, the rules of engagement change, you know, um, liquidity is, is materially worse, bid ask spreads widen, uh, you know, the, the, the valuation methodology you have to use in these, like, as we were just talking about, these inverted curve type environments, you know, these are not uh, normal um, uh, pricing environments relative to what a lot of traders have dealt with over the last decade. So yeah, it takes, uh, it takes a, a shift in thinking uh, you know, it it uh, it takes some um, uh, some uh, uh, grit and some uh, self belief, um, but it also takes a, a heck of a lot of analysis just to make sure that you're making uh, good uh, portfolio management decisions and not you know don't end up chasing your tail. Yeah, right. if I could add a thought on the uh, on the retail mm-hmm. side, I actually think majority of this trading that's gone on has been driven by institutions. It's been so fast that. Uh, to react. I mean, we, we used to follow the 200 day moving average to think about getting into the market and it was there within two days. And then, and then it just shot below <laughs> that. Like I didn't really have a chance to tell people, Hey, we're all in or all out and stuff. It was um, so, and I understand from others listening and reading that, that the institutions have been the ones driving it. We haven't seen full blown out uh, uh, retail investor uh, running for the Hills yet. Yeah. And it's typically, when I remember, like it's a retail capitulation that tells you when, when the bottom of the market is. Uh, but I guess, yeah, you're right. It's too it's too quick for that to happen. What, what do you think? Where, where, where is this going to end? Or has it ended? We had from <laughs> equity markets were up at the beginning of the week. And one day it's a short cover. And then the second day, okay. And then the third day it's up and it becomes a trend. And now, um, I'm not sure what happened at the end of the day today, but I think they were doing relatively well. What, what do you guys think of that? It's interesting. I my own take is actually I think the real solution to this whole thing is is testing. If we actually all could get tested and know that we have the virus or had the virus, right. we actually might even go back to work. I mean, once I know I've had it and I can't get it again or I have immunity for it, life's back to normal. Um, and the fact is that today's tests uh, take about five days in, in Canada, from my understanding. And my, my sister's a good example. I think she has it in her niece and uh, or sorry, her, her daughter. Um, but they can't get tested. No one's uh, allowing them to be tested in, in Toronto. It's just, um, and that, that I think is going to be the big change. I know we're all waiting for a cure, but when we find out that the testing will probably come faster, I think that's going to be it. But uh, I don't know how long that's going to take. I know uh, in the UK, they ordered 3.5 million of them, uh, that the enzyme tests that should be available very shortly. Uh, but I don't know what's going on in Canada. But I think that's how it's going to come back where the, everyone will be comfortable holding hands and hugging down the street uh, when, when we all know that we're all okay from it. Yeah. Well, we know where one of the tests went to. It's interesting who gets tested rather than say health, frontline health. Um, but what, what, what do you think, Andrew? Are we going to see more of this roiling of markets or is it, uh, is it like Rubini came out, like he's famous for his, it's not a, a V or a U, it's an L, but now he says it's an I. <laughs> it's not even going to go up again. <laughs> Uh, so, wow, he's going to run out of letters at some point. But uh, what, what do you think of these markets? Yeah, I think it's it's uh, difficult to call at the bottom uh, yet. Um, you know, we were we were chatting about it at my shop uh, the last couple of days. You know, there was I think two instances of uh, uh, I can't remember if it was ten or twenty percent uh, uh, moves higher uh, in the uh, in, in U.S. stocks during the financial crisis um, that ultimately did not signal the bottom. So. You have to be aware of uh, of the um, you know the bear market rally. It can be as sharp and as vicious as uh, as a sell off, and uh, and I think that's perhaps what we've seen this week. Um, 
you know, having said that, the the central banks have moved in a in a pretty aggressive way. I mean, this is this is way beyond uh, right. the scope and the pace of anything that they did in in 08. Uh, you know, I think they've recognized that um, that you've taken a as I was describing earlier, you've taken a global economy which was chugging along at, at a moderate pace and uh, and just applied an emergency break, you know, all at once uh, in a number of different uh, jurisdictions and. And they're fighting as hard as they can to to against that, uh, or to at least to uh, prevent any you know second order uh, liquidity events that might uh, that might uh, prove catastrophic for the economy. So you know they're fi- they're fighting their corner, and I think they're doing an admirable job. Um, but uh, you know as you said, you know the, we're in a we're in the exponential growth phase of this virus. Uh, you know the um, the the growth. I was just looking at the numbers. The growth rate over the last uh, three or four days in in Canada, UK, and the US uh, is just shy of, of that sort of 25% uh, daily growth that you need to, to get a doubling of caseload every every uh, three days. Um, so, you know, we are in for some big numbers uh, in, uh, in these jurisdictions uh, over, you know, over the weekend, over the next week, uh, until we really see if these social distancing measures start to uh, start to bite. So it's 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 difficult to call the bottom because you're dealing with an unknown. We don't know how deep this is going to go in terms of caseload. We don't know how long these social distancing provisions are going to last. Uh, so I think it's very difficult to say that uh, that we've seen the bottom. Yeah, you're right. We're, I guess the good news is we're getting a lot of numbers. Uh, there's a good on WHO site. They have actually a, a daily update. It comes out I think usually at midnight uh, Geneva time. And uh, you can see everything that that occurred during that day, and all the all the update numbers from all the 150 com- countries. So there's that, and it seems like we learned in 2008 from the Great Depression. So they, you know, threw money into the system and and had a, uh, a depression level anxiety of uh, with interest rates as well, and to drop those precipitously. But then that was just man-made, right? That's that's relatively easy to get through. This medical one, there's a lot of other extra things going on so um they almost took like a new deal approach but in the in, in basically a week said okay we're gonna make sure everybody if they're not working they're gonna have have money which is as i can just raise the amount to 75 percent of workers wages from 10 percent. so they've really done uh done a big job there and i guess from the underlying company side uh ted you've got a lot of experience with m&a and venture and and um Again, working with a multifamily, which I imagine you did uh, direct transactions. What, um, what 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 do you make of this? And from from specifically from the for the the company point of view, aside from the the financial markets. Well, what one has to address is the idea that certain industries are certainly going to get affected for a long time, uh, more than others. Uh, there's no question. You got the the um, restaurant industry. I I don't know how we're going to go back to that unless we all feel comfortable. We're healthy. Um, and same with traveling is going to be brutally hurt for quite some time. I actually think maybe the airlines, I'm not too sure about Air Canada, but some of the airlines may actually be nationalized. I know Air Italia mm-hmm. has been nationalized, but uh, I think more will be um, because I just think it's going to go on. But the other companies, as long as they have uh, solid balance sheets to withstand maybe a lack of uh, revenue for the next month or uh, next month or two or even quarter or two, I think they're going to come back and they'll be fine and dandy. So it's actually, that's where the opportunity is to try and find those ones that are, um, that are still going to be around and not, aren't going to be affected uh, in reality. Mm-hmm. What areas do you like? Or what areas do you think might, it, 
as we get more visibility, prove to be uh, uh, prove to uh, prove their metal over the post crisis time. Yeah, um, I, we, my my colleagues and I always wrestle with the bank stocks. Uh, certainly, they've never cut their dividend, so it makes an attractive yield when you're looking at five to seven percent. Um, I'm worried about um, defaults coming to their to their um, to their balance sheets. But having said that, it looks like the government will support them even more so. So mm-hmm. there's certainly some um, benefits to think of something like the banks or even the telcos, for that matter, that they're going to be around for for uh, ongoing time period. Um, what I find the opportunities are right now is actually stuff that are just below the surface because everyone seems to be going to those big companies and, and the names they all know. But there's a lot of um, mid-sized companies that no one's paying attention to and they just there's no market for them and they've gotten bad right. really quite badly. Um, yeah. So that's where I think there's some opportunity for people to spend the time on it. I'm finding I have uh, not as much time as I'd like because I'm spending a lot of time talking to clients and uh, and also fund managers for that matter. Um, on the fund manager side, though, I see an opportunity. Even what uh, in in Andrew's business, uh, it sounds like things haven't been a very strong month. But I think actually with the spread widening, it's actually probably a phenomenal opportunity to get into those all the uh, long short credit uh, and even in. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Merged Arbs is uh, also had a spread widening. I think there's a great opportunity there. Even the SPAC business is uh, is something very interesting. And then the preferred share market is just a whole um, basket of problems. But it actually uh, because there's no no buyers, but uh, it has been really beaten down. And there's lots of opportunity in there. So I see that. Wow, yeah, and Andrew, have you are you seeing any of those, or do you have any of those types of opportunities in your portfolio, or any any trades that you uh, have put on lately? Or? Yeah, I mean, it, it's things are obviously moving very quickly, and uh, and you know we're just uh, trying to make sure that right now, you know, the most of the activity we've done in the last couple of weeks has been around uh, shoring the portfolio up and making sure that uh, we've exited any positions that we think you know will will not. Uh, uh, do well in this environment. I mean, it, it, it's hard to say anything's doing well, but certainly, um, you know, as we were just talking about, there are going to be winners and losers, and, and you try to um, avoid the ones that, that could get into serious trouble. Uh, but you know, on a on a again, talking from a macro point of view, um, you know, I concur with what what Ted said that uh, you know this is a this is an interesting you know if you, if you look past the the current uh, anxiety and uh, and health issue and panic, um, yeah, it's a, it's certainly an interesting. Uh, it will prove to be, an, I think, an interesting case study in 10 years' time because I think it will uh, it will change uh, consumer behavior. Um, I think it will only increase our reliance on uh, technology. I think in the last two weeks, I think we're all learning new ways to use technology. Uh, you know, I think it will uh, the, the the access to internet will become even more of a of a uh, of a utility. Um, uh, and there's going to be all kinds of new technologies that will grow out of uh, out of this um, as as we transition from um, you know perhaps a, sort of face to face communication or hand to hand communication to uh, to something uh, a little more a little more distant. Um, but at the same time, I think there will be opportunities for uh, for socializing or, or you know new ways to socialize. So it's a, it's an interesting time and there are going to be some very exciting uh, new opportunities to come out of it from our point of view in terms of uh, trading our, our fixed income strategies you know it's it's it, it uh, it's interesting that what this you know we've always uh, our philosophy has always been and the way the reason we've 
uh, uh, come at uh, fixed income from the alternative spaces, we like one of the principles we really like about about uh, corporate bonds or, or fixed income in general is that they have this this property of uh, a, a a legal obligation to uh, from the issuer uh, mm-hmm. to offer to sell to to repay you at a price uh, plus interest so uh, uh, par plus interest at a certain date, and that's quite a different uh, property than you get from uh, commodity sector or from the equity sector, um, and what it means is that there's a a certainty of, of future value. I mean, I'm I'm uh, putting aside the the risk of default for for now, but uh, right. which perhaps isn't as trivial as it was uh, a few weeks ago. But um, but you know that certainty of future value is is a very uh, useful property, and it and it only holds true even more so, uh, you know, today because when I look at the at our portfolio and I look at the uh, mark to market uh, uh, drawdowns that we've we've uh, incurred in our funds uh, over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I take a, I take great comfort from the fact that I can see a a maturity schedule uh, over the next you know uh, you know 90, 180, 360 days where I know that a lot of those uh, markdowns will come back, not because the market has to bounce, but because there's a legal obligation uh, for the issuer to pay me back. So you know that's that was our investment thesis going in, and that remains our investment thesis uh, holding our portfolio currently. So. The um, the spread widening that mm-hmm. we've seen uh, it creates opportunity for us, and uh, in addition to um, those, uh, you know the, that um, uh, liquid inbuilt liquidity that we have in our portfolio, we now have an opportunity to reinvest that cash uh, as it comes due back into the market at much much wider spreads than we were seeing uh, this time uh, a month ago. So it's and and frankly much much wider spreads. And we've seen uh, uh, really uh, at any time since the financial crisis. So, you know, that's a that's a tremendous opportunity for us, and um, yeah. we're going to be uh, trying to make the most of that. Great. Yeah, because it's uh, we kind of assume this will be twelve to eighteen months. Maybe it'll be quicker. Like if we can get it tested, like Ted says, and that's great. Maybe you can get relatively back to normal. But uh, from the uh, Spanish flu, nineteen eighteen, like the second bout was a lot worse. James, there was something else I was going to mention that I thought was rather interesting. Um, in the last 10 years, you've seen uh, indexes take over the market, uh, and basically every stock goes up, and it doesn't matter. Active management has really been underperforming for years. i got to think this is actually the washing of it out, and uh, active management now is actually picking and choosing which one's the right one, and they're actually going to do really well over this next little period. And then maybe... We'll settle down again. And we'll be back to uh, buying the indexes again, and you'll see that resettled and be reweighted according to what mm-hmm. should be, as opposed to how it has been. Oh. Yeah, one of the interesting aspects, uh, you know, watching the price action in this market is really how uh, some of the ETFs trade relative to uh, their NAV. Uh, you know, you're seeing uh, circumstances where uh, when you get bulk selling in in some of these ETFs, they're they're trading. You know, three, four, five, six percent below NAV, um, and that is fee to exit. So uh, this really shows how. And I'm not here to you know to disparage uh, the ETF world, and they you know there's obviously a lot of uh, a lot of good that that um, it comes from ETFs. But you know, it's it's uh, it's not necessarily realistic to think that it's the always going to be the low cost solution uh, relative to um, to other forms of investing. Yeah, we had another. Uh group on earlier and they uh they were saying that kind of the etf maybe the etf prices are leading 
the NAVs, and uh, there may be better pricing the NAV, better pricing the assets than the NAVs are, especially in illiquid markets that it's hard to get a good mark on. But uh, I guess time will tell if they uh, as as they start to uh, converge later on. Oh, that's I mean that's a very relevant point. You know that it, it it's true that when you know uh, seventy to eighty percent of the trading activity in a given asset class is is through uh, ETFs, you know, it's hard to say that one price is is the wrong price and one price is the right price. But uh, you know, I think there is there the truth is somewhere in between. You know, the the mm-hmm. uh, the ETF uh, prices are reflecting. Uh, you know, the the the, uh, the price action is is reflecting the the uh, uh, disparity of buyers versus sellers, and you're getting a skew in the price relative to what's perhaps fair value. Um, and that you know, when you get when you get markets as loaded towards uh, selling and you get volatility as high as it is it's only natural that you'd get that that skew would uh, would get um, abnormally large yeah it's still the flows um how about like what you're saying before about um taking a look at the market and opportunities and and positioning yourselves both before this and now how are you uh andrew uh, how are you messaging that to clients and it's uh it's it's almost like when do you stop saying Happy New Year? When do you stop saying? Uh, like, it, it, there's obviously a human tragedy to this. Uh, what's happening with with people dying, thousands around the world, and there's also opportunities. And how do you how do you walk the line of messaging? There's 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 places here we can we can take advantage of what the, these these dislocations are in the market, or just generally how are you uh, communicating with clients now that you you can't have a roadshow, uh, you can't send your sales force out to to meet people like Ted in his office. Well, interestingly, I think I've spoken to more clients in the last 10 days than I probably have in the last three months. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, clients, uh, you know, and, and the conversations can go uh, either way. You get, um, you know, I have inquiries where uh, investors and advisors want to know, uh, they just they just want some reassurance. They want, um, they, you know, they're uh, obviously uh, surprised by the volatility. I mean, we we expect this to be a low vol uh, strategy, and yet we've had some unprecedented volatility in the last uh, uh, month or so. Um, uh, so they want some reassurance, and you know, I, I when I uh, when I tell them the statistics around you know how rapidly you know the, the, the uh, how rapidly the spread widening that we've seen uh, you know compares to even the financial crisis, it's it's quite remarkable. I mean, you know, you had you already had a a market in two thousand and eight that had been under some. Uh, strain in terms of finan- tightening financial conditions for about 12 months uh, vis-a-vis the mar- mortgage market. And so you already had uh, credit spreads that were widening. You had uh, financial conditions that were tightening. You had you know, high yield default rates have been ticking higher. Uh, and then Lehman was the, the sort of pinnacle of all that mm-hmm. that caused that, uh, that liquidity crisis uh, that then lasted for the next sort of six months or so. This time, it's, it's almost come out of the blue. I mean, it's really... It's remarkable how it's it, we've gone from uh, 100 to zero in, in the space of a few days, and uh, in terms of economic activity, and uh, it it has caused massive dislocations, which means the the uh, uh, you know price volatility on some of these asset classes is is uh, very very abnormal. And so you know our investors want they just want to understand they want to understand why and uh, um, and. You know, from that point of view, a lot of the dialogue is around uh, what I was just describing earlier, which is, you know, that we we have a, a significant chunk of our portfolio that is set to mature over the next uh, 
you know, uh, three months to, to three years. And, uh, and then that gives me a lot of comfort that, um, uh, that this money, the money that has been, has been lost, uh, in this little downturn is, is set to come back and that we don't need the economic activity, uh, to, to come back to peak levels in order to, to, uh, uh, generate those returns, and then there's and then there's a second uh, set of investors uh, who are calling up because they think this is a very exciting opportunity from a market's point of view. That they see that this is a, a very unusual dislocation, and they they're uh, you know interested in putting more money to work, uh, and so they just want to hear you know about the opportunity set, uh, and that's when I talk about the you know the the uh, the rare access to wide spreads that we we haven't seen in the last uh, you know really since sort of the coming out of the last financial crisis since 2010, 2011. So yeah, it's, um, it's a lot of conversations, uh, some more defensively oriented, yeah. some offensively oriented, um, but that what to make, that's what makes a market. And it's, um, it's an exciting time to be an active manager. And what have you found, Ted, with your, uh, your client base? Are they, uh, you're, I guess, proactively reaching out, you're taking, having a lot of incoming calls and are they uh, worried about their portfolios or maybe worried about kind of you? Um, I, I had that when I was at IA, people were like, are you, are you okay? <laughs> uh, and I was like, yeah, it's the market, man. <laughs> but uh, what have you found the last week or so? Uh, well, actually, I think it, it all started at uh, day two of the uh, when the market started to drop. Um, I think um, I've been doing a ton of calls uh, out. And of course, the calls have been coming flying in. Um, I think, though, I'd, I'd echo a little bit of Andrew's uh, comments because I, I actually find um, as long as I have uh, an explanation as to what has gone on, and a rationale behind their performance, everyone's very um, understanding. Um, and then there's the odd person that's actually uh, that turns around and says, "Hey, I've got a lot of money. I want to put it in. Where are my opportunities?" Um, but uh, boom, you love that, eh? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and then and then trying to find the opportunities and figure out which ones is 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 the difficult part. I I seem to have a fair amount of that at the moment. Um, but uh, I I find uh, even in judging uh, companies like Andrew's company. Um, as long as I find they have a story that I can understand and, and it makes sense of how they performed and why, then I feel comfortable with the, the situation as to, to why we should continue holding them or why we might actually add to them. Um, and then and clients, uh, I think the other thing, the reason people are also uh, maybe a little bit more understanding than even 2008 is I think most of the people are actually uh, quarantined. So they all have other issues they're, they're, they're thinking about. And uh, so they're very, very aware that the markets are down, whereas other times they, they may not be uh, as much. And this time they're very aware. So it's, the conversations usually start out that hey, it's uh, Ted calling from Scotia and uh, just want to give you an update. And they go, yeah, I don't want to hear about it. It's OK. Uh, how are you? Uh, very. Uh, but but it, a lot of questions and calls, though. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was, I was having a dialogue, uh, you know, with another market participant and we were trying to uh, put this current uh, situation in some historical context. And the nearest I could come up with was that it's, it has the, uh, the financial market impact of, of the Lehman uh, bankruptcy uh, in terms of severity combined with the public anxiety of September 11. Uh, you know, you, you, oh, as yeah. you described, every, yeah. everybody's aware everybody's feeling uh, a heightened level of anxiety um, and it's having a, a, a deep uh, markets impact, but it's, um, it's, it's unusual to draw an exact parallel with anything in recent memory. Yeah. Well, we saw some recent numbers out of the government of Canada lately. Uh, 164,000 were tested 
and about 4,000 were positive. So that means the other ones were negative. So that kind of shows that the social distancing seems to be working. We probably won't have as much in the way of, um, with, we hope, uh, contagion uh, as, as other countries, which either waited a while or just simply didn't know. Um, how do you think Canada is going to come out of this? Um, I, I don't think it'll be maybe like the 2008 where our, our banks, and say skated through, but came out relatively well. Um, but given some of that backdrop and just generally how you've seen people in, in your that you know react to this, uh, how do you think we're, we're going to uh, uh, emerge from this post-COVID world, which will be who knows when? Uh, well, I think the, you know, I'll start off and just, just say um, Canada does have some challenges. Uh, you know, the the first and foremost, um, you know, our, as we all know, our economy is, is very closely tied to the U.S., so you can't answer the Canada question without answering the U.S. question, and I think that's mm. still, uh, you know, quite unknown. Um, I, I'm, I take, I think, a little less comfort from the, uh, the ratio of positive to negative tests. I think that there's still a lot of uh, this virus out there that we're not aware of yet, and I think until you get widespread testing, uh, you, it's very difficult to talk about uh, uh, renewing, you know, economic activity. I think if you can start to um, meaningfully isolate the people who have the virus from the people that don't, uh, then the people that don't can can mingle amongst themselves and get back to some level of normality. Uh, but you know, there's no no certainty around that yet, and certainly no certainty around that in in the U.S. Um, Canada has its, you know, so so first first and foremost, uh, you know, what happens to Canada will depend on what happens to the U.S. Secondly, uh, as we all know, oil is uh, is a big question mark. Um, oh yeah, the world down here at uh, close to twenty bucks. Um, you know that's that's uh, pretty uh, pretty horrific circumstances economically for uh, for Western Canada and um, uh, really where you know where what the long term damage to our economy will be is going to depend uh, uh, quite uh, quite a lot on whether. Uh, you know, the uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia can can put aside their differences and uh, you know, for the good of the global economy, which which isn't looking likely at the moment. Yeah, I got to echo the idea about the oil. That um, that's one part that I'm not too sure how it'll bounce back, um, unless unless the world starts to travel a lot more and and the differences get settled on the OPEC. Um, but I'm really kind of worried about uh, things out in Calgary and. Uh, I guess I'm happy I live in Toronto, which is more finance or organized uh, associated. Um, but I feel badly for the people in Western Canada. So, what's your advice to investors? Maybe you start with Ted to your clients. Like your, they call you up and you're telling them what's happening with the portfolio. Some are more uh, interested in putting new money to work, maybe. But um, Ted, what's your advice, maybe to to an aggregate of investors that will be We'll have something like this in eight or ten years again, anyways. Um, so, what, what's your what's usually your, your your advice? Yeah, usually what I, I this this particular uh, um, downturn that we're in right now, it I find is very different than any we've ever had before. They in in history they always seem to come back, anyways. The markets, so that's definitely one of the comments you do add to the to tell the client to remind them. Um, but with this one is interesting because the economy was actually doing reasonably well. And, uh, now a virus has simply derailed it. Um, I got to think that, uh, we will be back to normal. I, and the question is how long, but, uh, if I close my eyes in two years time, I would 
really assume that we actually are going to be back to a normal society again. Maybe we'll have a lot more uh, respirators around and a lot more um, masks around so that it won't happen again. But if that's the case, then it is uh, worthwhile to potentially look at positions to buy and uh, and um, have them with a with a longer term view. So um, don't despair; uh, things will get better. It's just um, we are having a tough time now. That's basically the message that uh, I've been passing to clients. Right, and Andrew. Yeah, you know, I, I I echo that. You know, historically, uh, you know, following big sell-offs is the wrong time to sell. Um, uh, unless you have a particular liquidity need, uh, in which case, you know, you probably, you know, should have had your portfolio uh, <laughs> a little better balance towards uh, a safety product and, and uh, you know, short, short-term product. Um, then you, you know, you, uh, you probably can afford to sit tight uh, and, and wait this one out. Um, you know, mar- markets are very resilient. And uh, the, as I said, I'll go back to the action of the central banks there. They're throwing everything they can at trying to at least uh, uh, maintain uh, the, the markets as, uh, in, in orderly mm-hmm. fashion. Uh, they don't want uh, widespread failures of companies uh, as a result of this. They will bail out the industries they need to, and they will uh, offer support to, uh, to the ones who are merely uh, you know, hitting some speed bumps. Um, so you know, that, that bodes well for the ability of the economy to repair. Uh, and, and so, you know, again, if you don't have immediate need for liquidity, I, I think your, your best uh, strategy is to, uh, is to sit tight and wait it out. There we go. So for both of you, plan it early and sit it out if, uh, when you hit the speed bumps as we have here. And uh, we'll have better days ahead and some buying opportunities now. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Ted and Andrew, for your, for your time. I know you're busy with uh, with many calls from your, your clients and investors, but uh, it's been great to chat with you here, and we'll uh, look forward to having you on another podcast soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're most welcome. Thank you.